You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everyone, colon fantasy football podcast, part of Fake Teams podcast channel. I am your humble host. Once conducted, now completely dead. Devin Funches, hype train, rom com aficionado, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, a Damian Harris truther, the old married guy, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys. We have El Sabatura, Bradfather Quentin Nelson, WNBA hot take machine, wine connoisseur, and the man who boldly said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will make the playoffs this year, working girl Jordan Smith, and the biggest 49ers fan you know, Arya Stark is a spirit animal, the only man who hates Larry Fitzgerald, and a fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts, the ginger normal man, Nick Modiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. We're on the, I, I'm back onto the desktop now. So I have this big ass screen to work with. And so I have so much space for my notes and for like the camera and it's an HD camera. So all my lovely big ass pores and sweaty ass forehead is on full display. Uh, yeah, I, feeling great. You know what else? Oh, there it is. I was going to say that shiny rings on display too. Oh, stop this whole thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, normally I'm on my tiny little dinky laptop because Becca's busily studying becoming the world's greatest lawyer, uh, and I'm asked, you know, kicked out to the uh, to the table right behind me. Uh, but now I get lucky enough to have this beautiful display in front of me with all of this space so to read my notes. I got I got all sorts of legal problems. Can we discuss some with Becca on the show? Yeah, we'll have a we'll start having her onto the podcast so that she can cover everyone's legal. We'll get we'll have a, a legal Q and A with Becca. I think she's she, being two weeks into law school. She knows everything already. <laughs> it's good to just have your bases covered, you know, right? Yeah. Have the legalese, what you can and cannot say. Um, this is why you marry a lawyer, you guys. I mean, I, I just say I'm covered for life. One of my buddies went to school for uh, real estate law, and we very quickly, all of our uh, college friend group, uh, hammer him with with <laughs> non real estate <laughs> legal questions, whatever we can. He's like, "No, guys, this isn't what I'm in." It's like, "Yeah, no, no, no we don't care." Shut up, shut up, shut up. So, what would happen if? Yeah, well, he he plays along. He does the thing from Fear and Loathing, where he goes, "As your lawyer, I advise you mm. to." Mm. A classic line. As your lawyer, I advise you to get a lawyer that specializes in what you're about to ask. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. But we should uh, we should get rolling here. We got some some info to dump on you guys. Ooh, look at that, Nick Botterford taking over my lead. Uh, yeah, it. week three starts and sits, baby. Let's get right into it uh, because we've got lots of you know lots to talk about, lots to do, and we don't want to be up late doing it. Uh, so, Jordan, we'll start with you. Give me a start and sit that you're looking forward to uh, in week three. Uh, so I'm looking at the Miami-Dallas game, and it's very easy to say that you should just start everybody from Dallas against Miami. 
Um, but I want to focus more specifically on Devin Smith. Uh, pretty popular waiver wire ad this week, taking some reps um, that were originally for Michael Gallup. Poor guy's getting his uh, meniscus trimmed right now. Um, and, and it's kind of a, it's a good feel-good story for Devin Smith. Apparently he tore two ACLs um, with the Jets. He was drafted by them a couple of years ago. He's a former second round pick. Um, he's got four, four 40 speed. His relative athletic score is 8.6. So as long as um, Kellen Moore puts him in a pretty good spot to succeed, he might be able to take some things to the house, just like Michael Gallup has been able to. Um, additionally, Miami has one of the 12 worst defenses in DPOA in history, not like <laughs> top 12 worst this year in history one of the top 12 worst and they just traded Minka Fitzpatrick to Pittsburgh. So they just got exceedingly worse in the secondary by trading their, one of their top two guys, whether he was the best, it it depends on who you ask, but one of their top two guys is gone now in the secondary. So Devin Smith is probably going to have himself a decent day. Yeah. I just spent 25 bucks of my fab to get him in one of my leagues and am starting him. Your boy going play and just going to pillage. It's like you said, Jordan, at the very beginning. I mean, you, you, anyone you have on this Dallas offense, you're starting because first of all, this offense has just looked incredible. And now they're playing the worst defense known to mankind who suddenly doesn't have a safety slash corner who is elite and Pittsburgh traded a first round pick for it. So I'm yeah, I love the Devin Smith start. I'm doing it. I'm buying it. Yeah. So uh, a lot of folks were thinking that, that maybe this means an uptick in, in targets for Randall Cobb. I could see him maybe getting like one higher than his average, but he's not taking over the Gallup role. He's going to stay in the slot. Um, yeah, he's, he's not going to be doing the, the perimeter downfield thing uh, that Devin Smith is going to do, which means he's stepping into like, if he just takes on the Gallup role, he's, he's stepping into like seven uh, high value, high efficiency targets downfield. Um, he's a plug and play guy, especially in standard. Um, I, I really like him there more than PPR, but he's, I think across all formats is still a, a very, very startable, uh, fantasy receiver this week. He feels like a Will Fuller kind of guy. And like a lot of those yes. deep speed guys are that where it's like, they'll catch three balls for 80 yards. And one of them will be a 40 yard touchdown. And you're like, great dude, done. I, I don't know if you guys saw, but it, it's a beautiful thing to go back and look at Michael Gallup's uh, week one receptions that they, he had like four that all went over 20 yards and one was like 60. It's that role is just awesome for this offense. I was, uh, I was super cool. And I went to uh, a bar near my apartment by myself on Sunday to watch the Packers. <laughs> and it, it was actually pretty cool because they, there was a ton of other Green Bay fans, but they have like specific TVs that are just like, this game's going to be here. This game's going to be here. And uh, Dallas and Washington was on a TV next to me. So I had um, some Dallas Cowboy fans sitting there. And they're just like, there's that Smith guy again. Who is that? And I was like, really focused on the Packers game, but I could tell that he was just making a lot of plays. And then when I saw um, like the highlights of the game and whatnot, I was like, Oh, that was very much just like Gallup went down next man up. Yeah. That's a uh, Becca's biggest annoyance with uh, Ann Arbor is that there's no Packer bar. I feel like there should be. There's, I, there's that's usually... what she says too. She claims that that's there should weird. be. I was like, girl, we're pretty close to Detroit. I don't know if a Packer bar near Detroit is going to have much likes, but maybe it will. She assures me it I should. 
Seattle has like multiple Steelers bars. I guess Packers don't have that great a fan base, do they, Becca? <laughs> uh, Nick, what's your first we just, te- we just get to watch her in the background slowly <laughs> creep up on you. <laughs> just start joking me. Uh, Nick, what game are you watching for starts and sits this week? Uh, number one, we're going with uh, Bengals at the Bills. Uh, if Josh Allen is a free agent, you have to go pick him up. The guy is a quarterback one. He's only the quarterback 12 right now. It's still a quarterback one. But, like, this Bengals defense, what, what, you, what you hope for when you have a, a – I guess we'll call him a rush first quarterback. When, what you hope for with that is a very slow linebacking core, and that is exactly what Cincinnati has. This is going to be a bloodbath for, for Josh Allen on the ground. I expect him to hit he, – he usually comes in around, like, 40 yards and maybe a touchdown. I think he easily goes over that and scores on the ground for sure. And we haven't even gotten into all those fun little pieces with John Brown and, and Cole Beasley catching passes. And now that, that lovely, uh, technically a passing touchdown to Isaiah McKenzie last week where he flipped the it, little, like, the little, like grab the ball for like five milliseconds exactly. and then just could like split yeah. it. Yeah. Love how that's yeah, a, a little t- touch passing pass. touchdown. Yeah. So yeah, I'm absolutely starting uh, Josh Allen and um, just flipping over to the other side of the ball to give you another start instead of a sit. Um, John Ross is the overall wide receiver one through two weeks in football. And I know that the bills are a lights out defense, but I think he's up to 20 targets on the season. I think he had 12 in week one and eight in week two. And we saw even last week, he was getting shut down until late into the fourth. And then he just broke one long the guy. So again, He's the overall wide receiver one. I think that right now he is a locked-in wide receiver two um, at worst. And so, a fun little note uh, per J.J. Zacharyson, the Bengals are throwing the ball four times. Secondly, it's 3.93 times as much as they're rushing when games are in uh, neutral game, game script, meaning within six points. That's number one in the league. For comparison, they're throwing it four times per rush. The Jets are number two, only throwing it two and a half times per rush. This team is pass happy, and John Ross is the guy to benefit. You guys want to hear something absolutely crazy? So I quickly looked at John Ross's 2018 season because I thought he played. I thought they played Buffalo last year, and he, like, torched them. But I don't, I'm not finding the stats from that game. But what I am seeing is John Ross last year had <clears throat> 21 catches for 210 yards. This year, he has 11 catches for 270 yards already. He has already outproduced what he had all of last year. Holy crap in two games. Yeah, he's been super impressive. To go back to the Josh Allen play, I really like it a lot, especially now that um, we kind of just hit a super heavy wall with QB injuries, and some of you might be uh, struggling to fill the void, especially uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. There is a lot of news and rumors floating on right now tonight about Cam Newton possibly not being ready to go by Sunday. Uh, currently, Josh Allen is 62% rostered in ESPN League, so there's a chance you may have missed the boat, but there's also a 38% chance that you could still go out there and uh, pick him up to give him a start. Yeah, it's amazing to me for someone who, and I understand you could whatever have your issues with him as a as an actual football quarterback, but he was a top ten fantasy quarterback last year, if I'm not mistaken. Like the guy was yes. once he started taking over the job was outperforming Patrick Mahomes on a game to game basis, and so it's hilarious to me that he is so widely unowned to start this season. 
Yeah, uh, a lot of fantasy drafters get caught up in the idea that you have to be good at actual football to be a good fantasy football <laughs> asset. And and until we make the full switch, which it is trending this way, until, uh, but until we make the full switch to six-point passing TDs across all formats, the rushing Konami code is just going to be a thing. It's true. It's true. Uh, all right, so my first – I'm going to start with my most boring take. For, for starts and sits this week. I'm going to start Chicago versus Washington. And we've been having a nice wide receiver thing theme going. So I'll keep it going. Uh, and I'm going to say obvious play here is you start Allen Robinson. Washington is giving up the most fantasy points to receivers to start this season. Robinson is the number one receiver in Chicago's offense. He has like 20 targets and the next closest receiver is Taylor Gabriel with seven. Uh, so there you go, eight and eight Bears. About to get a win this week. Celebrate, Bears fans! Dude, he—I uh, mean, we've talked about him before. He is—he looks so so healthy. He looks like he has fully returned to his uh, his 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 former self. And it's just a goddamn shame that he has had to go from Blake Bortles to Mitchell Trubisky. Which again, <laughs> Trubisky. Well, I mean, last year he was an awesome fantasy quarterback until he hurt his uh, shoulder or whatever. But. Um, yeah, Robinson is just uh, these alpha receivers who were just able to get like, you know, well over an arm's length of separation at the cash point. They just will get the job done regardless of who their quarterback is. Um, I was I was trying to find his uh, his air yards because I believe it's very high at this point in time, but uh, it might might take a little bit too long. If you believe in um, you know positive regressions or just football karma things swinging one way, swinging in the other. Mitch Trubisky doesn't have a passing touchdown on the season yet. So if there is a time for some passing touchdowns, one, two, three of them to start uh, coming the Chicago Bears way, it's definitely against um, Washington, whose secondary was pretty bad last week. So, Yeah. Uh, and I can Josh attest- Norman's done. Josh Norman is super, he's super done. I can attest to this because I just got Madden 20 and I'm doing a Washington franchise (laughs) just so that I can relocate them to London and destroy the Redskin name once and for all. Um, But yeah, that secondary is trash. No, it's actually, they only give you so many options. So it's the London Monarchs is what we're going with. Okay. This is a mystics town anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Give it, give it to the WNBA. Um, but yeah, no, that secondary is hot garbage. Uh, I also feel like week three, week one and week two, it's like the narrative, the narrative kind of keeps going through those two weeks. I feel like week three to week four is the narrative buster. If there is going to be one. So either Mitchell Trubisky and the bears offense is suddenly going to start actually looking like a offense in the next couple of weeks, or it's not. And we're going to be like, well, shit, Matt Nagy doesn't really know what he's doing or Mitchell Trubisky isn't the answer. Um, sort of trash. So I like Jordan's positive regression of like, eh, he's two for some touchdowns. Maybe they'll finally come and they're all going to go Allen Robinson's way. Jordan, another start and sit for you this week. Uh, another start this week that I really like as a sneaky flex play and it's Edo Smith. Um, I'm talking about Atlanta Falcons versus the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I liked what he did against uh, Philadelphia. He looked just, uh, speaking on the eye test, he just looked generally like a better runner than last year. He didn't look like he was just getting, uh, he looked like he was making better decisions with the football in the running game. So he just looked like a better pure runner. Uh, currently, the uh, the Colts' uh, run defense is 30th in DVOA. 
And overall, they're 30th in fantasy points allowed to running backs. So I think Ido Smith um, can have himself a much better day. And I mean, I know this is also like a kind of a boomer bust time for Devontae Freeman, but I like uh, Ido Smith's current 6.3 yards per carry average. 10 attempts, but <laughs> still. So Clark felt a disturbance in the force just now as, <laughs> as someone else converted <laughs> to the... <laughs> Yeah, dude, converted to the fade Devontae Freeman narrative. So their their uh their snap counts this year. Week one, uh, they both logged 39. And week two, though, it did trend towards Freeman with him taking 41 versus Smith's 25. But you know, we talked a lot this offseason about the risks of Devontae Freeman and, and how his knee will hold up over the course of a long career. And um he's really not playing very well. So I, I think, yeah, if you if you were uh, one of those folks who went after Edo Smith and stashed him on your bench, um, I think it's pretty damn bold to play him this week. But obviously, I you know I, I do support it given my uh, fade Devonte Freeman team narrative. How many how many uh, snaps did you say he had? Twenty seven this week or this week last week. Ito Smith had 25 to Freeman's 41 week one. They split it evenly at 30. Yeah, no, I knew they, I mean, it's not, I mean the 25 though, he got 27, uh, seven possible touches. He had four carries and three targets, two receptions. So like, that's not a terrible ratio for even though he was in limited snaps when he was in those snaps, they were look, like, he was a part of that uh of that offense so i think yeah it's like a third of the time he's getting the ball he's getting the ball while while he's on the field so if he if he sees an uptick in snap counts or even just like a more that same kind of level against a worse defense um he'll be able to do something no i like him a lot he's been a he's been a back who's flirted with like fantasy relevance uh for a while now not anything rb1 or rb2 but like as a solid consistent flex play uh and so i'll be curious to see if he can maybe even take the leap out dethrone Devonta Freeman and and kind of take the RB two become an RB two. You you know I think he will by the end of the year. Um, but I think that he uh, I think Dirt Cutter came out like within forty eight hours of Matt Lafleur uh, also saying this uh, saying that they want to be a run first football team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, both these running backs need to be rostered. Double R, yeah, eat. double RB is going to eat. Uh, Nick, what's a game that you're watching for starts and sits? Let's see here. Okay, uh, number two on the list. Uh, this one's uh, – I got mixed feelings about this one. All right, so Ravens at uh, the Chiefs. So in, like, June and July when we were talking, I was very high on Mark Andrews. Then once it came out in the preseason that he was going to be playing a very limited amount of snaps because he wasn't blocking at all, I soured on him. However, for J.J. Zagarison, through two weeks, Mark Andrews leads the league for tight end target share at 27.9. For those who don't know, of a team's targets is massive that I, I I could not find the the league numbers, but like an uh, uh, current league numbers, but an alpha receiver like Julio Jones will get around 25. Maybe he gets 27. There was one season where Terrell Owens went over 30, but if you are a player, really, if you are a player at all, who's getting over 20% of the targets, that is, that is noteworthy to be in the upper twenties. You were talking about a target share that maybe, maybe 15 other players in the NFL are getting. So Mark Andrews, although he's playing like 40% of the snaps, he is getting the ball a ton when he is out there. He's, I, I, I think that he is, uh, easily surpassed his like high upside tight ends you know maybe he could be like a five to ten guy 
we're talking about a guy who is um, in contention to finish as a top three tight end this year. Yeah, baby. That's why I had no problems offering him up to, uh, to Becca for some good exchange. Uh, Cause I already got Gronkinson, TJ Gronkinson, but yeah, no, I mean, Mark Andrews, we, and the thing is, is too, that honestly, you, this shouldn't really have uh, surprised anyone just given the fact that he was the number one receiver for the Ravens. As soon as Lamar Jackson took over, he was the most effective. He put forward the most yards. And so I think clearly there was a connection there that they have just built upon and, and ran with. I mean, that whole offense has been super explosive. This game is just going to be, this game should be the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. We should just see this game twice this week. Yeah. I think it was one of those things of like a, a perfect cocktail coming together. I, believe i don't know if he led the nation in yards per route run in his final year of college but i think he was averaging a still an insane amount of yards per route run while he was in college as well for mark andrews but again it's like a great combination of both of them being rookies last year both of them likely playing most of their reps together in practice and now that rapport is just there i'm also very excited about the rapport he might have with the hollywood browns i've been doing some instagram looking and it looks like they've been <laughs> hanging out a little bit um sure to get I, the scoops i have been just entirely in on the ravens this year and you guys remember that dynasty trade where i was offered like four first round picks and hunter henry for travis kelsey because i have mark andrews i said no yeah <laughs> and I kept both of them. <laughs> so, all right, uh, uh, moving on. Oh, let's, do you have anything to add, Pete? I want to move on to the second start. I'm just doing basically all starts this week. Um, my second start is uh, the entirety of the Kansas City offense. The, the Ravens <laughs> defense, the, the, yeah, the Ravens defense is uh, very good uh, in the run game. And outside of that, their secondary is very, very vulnerable. And the Kansas City uh, Chiefs are just made of a passing game. Um, they'll basically all of their receivers are excellent deep threat receivers. All of the Raven secondary is very bad at stopping deep balls. So uh, start Sammy Watkins, start Travis Kelsey, start Nicole Hardman, start uh, uh, Demarcus Robinson. We need to note something for the backfield though. Neither LaShawn McCoy nor Damian Williams were able to play today. Now I know that or practice today. I know that Wednesdays are oftentimes, yeah, I see that celebration. Do you uh, know whose music that is? It, that's Darwin Thompson's music. Uh, now veteran uh, veterans usually get Wednesdays off as a rest day however this was not supposed to be a rest day for either one of those guys they were supposed to practice so if you do not own Darwin Thompson he is only owned in 24% of Yahoo leagues stop what you're doing go pick up Darwin Thompson right now there's a very good chance that this guy at least is getting 50% of the backfield touches for the Kansas City Chiefs this week and he's not going to be used just on the ground he will be used through the air Um, but there is a possibility that he is a full-time bell cow in this offense. So he needs to be owned in all leagues. Yeah. I own the, uh, the Ravens defense in a redraft league and I picked up a new one this week. Um, if I, I like the Ravens defense, but if there's anybody who is going to just put up buckets on them, it's going to be Andy Reid and the Kansas city chiefs. So, uh, I think this game like literally has the chance to be like, last year's uh chiefs rams game remember when that was just a track meet that i think if i don't even know what the over under is for total points in this game but you should 
pound the over right now. <laughs> yeah. No, this could hit a hundred points. Yeah. It is absurd to me that this is not a Sunday night or Monday night game. Like NFL, what are you doing here? This is, this is two of the best young. And it's not even like, Oh, well, Lamar Jackson has suddenly become this, you know, crazy machine. Now it's like, no, we knew who Lamar Jackson was going into this season. We obviously knew who Patrick Mahomes was going into this season. Fucking make this game a highlight. Make this one of the marquee games of the week. Don't put it fucking on a sat Sunday at like whatever, four o'clock. It's a travesty, man. And I got to be at a, uh, a brunch. <laughs> no, that's Saturday. Never mind. Oh, Moving Nixon! Yeah, I get to watch this game. Fuck you, brunch. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, another game I'm going to talk about, Pitt versus San Francisco. Uh, this isn't the boldest of takes here, but I'm going to say start James, uh, not start the opposite of start sit James Conner this week. Uh, he suffered an injury last week and missed some of the game and he's seemingly still recovering from that. They're not sure exactly how healthy he is. Blah, 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 blah. The 49ers have the seventh best, uh, defense against fantasy backs so far to start this season. Um, and it's the first game with Mason Rudolph. It's going to be a whole different offense. Uh, as, as often that per- permeates or perpetrates or permeates in my mind, my thought always is when you have a rookie quarterback or a new quarterback under center, uh, defenses stack the box, take away the run game, make that quarterback beat you. Uh, so that's what I think the Niners are going to do. And I just don't think, even a fully healthy James Conner would be that great a play, but a banged up James Conner is certainly not worth starting this week. Yeah, James Conner right now is RB24. So, uh, you know, he just hasn't been that great, as great as you would want him to be. He says that he is healthy, but literally football players and running backs especially are like tis but a scratch dot gif every single time um, they get an injury. So, yeah, I, I would at least uh, hope you have like a solid uh, RB2 or flex running back to play. Um, I think San Francisco, their defensive line is pretty good. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm going the other way here. I'm, I'm so comfortable starting James Conner until we get some sort of indication that he's actually going to be uh, out. Um, if he's still limited, I, if, if he's limited, I, I would still uh, feel comfortable playing him i mean as, as a high-end rb2 you probably draft him to be a running back one but i don't think that he's going to be uh i don't think he'll finish the week as lower than like the rb15 uh and, and I'll, I'll take that kind of production um bring it back but, nick we do this every single week i'm ta- i'm making this bet with you we're, we're making this bet james Conner's yeah. not going to finish a top 15 running back this this week boom done Run. uh for for any uh which any like platform. ppr and okay. sure. i mean standard is what i always point. play so i don't care half point yeah sure okay sounds good um, so, uh, anyway, the, the one thing that I, I, I am slightly optimistic on Mason Rudolph and, and we don't need to get too far into this, but there are reports coming out that basically Ben Roethlisberger had injured this elbow a while back and they entered the season knowing that this might be a thing. And, uh, Dr. Chow on his, his podcast this week, pro football doc podcast, he noted that, uh, basically after Roethlisberger did that first throw that he started feeling his arm, he first looked at the sideline and just like stared at the trainer in like a, yeah, shit. It just went kind of Nick, thing. Nick, my point is Nick, if we're going to brand the Dr. Chow corner with Nick Botterford, you need to let me know when the segment is starting and we need the proper introduction to the Dr. Chow corner with Nick Botterford. Okay. Is this, is this the Dr. Chow corner with Nick Botterford? Yeah. Okay. 
Everyone, welcome to the Dr. Chow Corner <laughs> with Nick Bodiford. Nick, continue. <laughs> the point is, they the Steelers went into the season knowing that Ben Roethlisberger was very likely to uh, to hurt to to need Tommy John surgery, meaning they were comfortable rolling in with Mason Rudolph. That tells me that the that the team feel feels comfortable uh, with this guy as their starting quarterback. They you know they probably don't love it, but I do think that that. Uh, it's an indication that the guy is, they think he's comfortable enough to lead the offense. And I do think that that speaks volumes. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be as, as terrible a transition as we initially thought. I also think that there's been a lot of reports that have come out since then that I've read about how Ben Roethlisberger basically wanted to run the Aaron Rodgers ISO route offense. Um, and that was partially the reason why guys like Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't able to really have a great, start to the season because it's a lot harder to beat one-on-one or one-on-one with safety help when you don't have Antonio Brown as your running mate. So I'll be curious to see how this offense changes and it might change for the better. It might look like a more great normal NFL offense these days of a lot of motion and, and getting people open and getting people moving before the snap, which would be great if you own Juju Smith Schuster's like stock, maybe don't panic maybe wait and see how this offense looks because he might suddenly burst back onto the scene so what you're saying is juju's no Devonte adams basically uh <laughs> basically. but i think you know if that if it's true that like this elbow injury was just like a lingering thing that they had known about for some time i think that just adds to the mason rudolph case and them believing in him because they traded away Josh Dobbs like after week one, after Nick Foles went down. Um, so I think that just gives them, uh, or they just felt that, you know, Mason Rudolph, he's going to be the key backup. There's no sort of, uh, no indication to believe that Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph would have been in some sort of, you know, clash competition to see who was going to get the reps. Uh, I like Mason Rudolph in that he will probably be running a lot of play action. Um, that's what he ran a lot of at Oklahoma State. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more optimistic in Mason Rudolph than I am of, you know, some other guys like Luke Folk in New York. Or yeah. Like you know, you're not buying the uh, – he also being the 199th pick, Tom Brady 2.0 magic. I do think the NFL is better when we have two Washington State quarterbacks starting. I was going to say, games. yeah, you know, you know where he came from. He's uh, he's out of the Leaf system in in uh, Washington State. Uh, all right, we're halfway through. Before we go any further, though, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. All right, we are back. Jordan, tell us the third game that you're watching starts and sits. What are you excited for week three? Um, so getting a little pessimistic now, I'm fading Nelson Aguilar in the Detroit Lions versus Philadelphia Eagles game. Um, largely because the Lions are actually, I feel like they've put themselves together pretty decent defense. They're 11th in defensive DVOA. And um, there's a lot of uncertainty and some cloudiness around the Philadelphia Eagles just at large because they had like 10 guys go down in their last game with injury. Um, But with the injuries in the receiving core, I think for Philly, that might mean more work for Zach Ertz, Miles Sanders, and Darren Sproles in the passing game. Um, On the season, Nelson Aguilar has a 62% catch rate. Um, That's including 40% last week. He just flat out wasn't good. Um, And that's kind of alarming because the opportunity was there for him to be like, the guy and you know he just uh italics dropped the ball nice nice <laughs> uh i'm i'm sticking with nelson Aguilar this week just because they don't have anyone else to throw the ball to in in the receiving core with with both jeffrey and deshaun jackson and dallas Goddard going down it's a pretty narrow target tree with um with Ertz Aguilar and um, jj take a white side is going to step in um, but yeah, that, then, then it's the running backs, but anyway, yeah, uh, I, I would love to get, if, uh, if I need flex help in a PPR league, absolutely going for Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll buy into the mindset that a game like what he had against the Falcons, where you don't single-handedly lose the game for your team, but you played a pretty big part in it uh, by dropping that one down the sideline and and just not really, again, he did not have a good game. And I'll buy that narrative playing into another week of like in your head, not being able to get out of it, having some more mistakes uh, continue to haunt you. And so I, and I, I don't, wouldn't be surprised if Doug Peterson in an attempt to be like, we got to win this game, can't go down. Uh, to the Detroit Lions, who looked a little frisky against the uh, the Chadges, uh, kind of ices him out and is like, we're going to go to JJ. We're going to rely on Zach Ertz. And, it, and Nick, I'm surprised you didn't jump on this earlier. Is this not a Miles Sanders coming out party? Is this not the game where, where the Eagles just say, hey, we're going to run the ball 30 times and then pass it to our halfback and Miles Sanders suddenly gets on the fantasy radar? You know, so Sanders is interesting right now. He's still leading the team in snaps and in, in touches, but they just can't get anything going on the ground. Um, he's still running a lot of routes. I think that they will try to use him, but they, the coaching staff did on Monday, I think it was, come out and say that they had acknowledged to, was it to him or they acknowledged to a reporter who was asking about it, that they uh, that Sanders still wants to bounce things outside more often than he should be. Um, and that's, you know, uh, that's something that, that a lot of running backs, young running backs struggle with. So th- I'm sure they understand it's a normal part of his development, but that's not exactly a ringing endorsement for him. He might need to stay on your bench again this week. I'm also, I don't like the way the Eagles offensive line has been playing lately, uh, especially, uh, protecting Carson Wentz. Now they definitely have one of the more talented groups in the NFL, but it, it, it's early in the season. So they're just. They're not like gelling very well right now. So that's something to keep an eye on as of right now. 
Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, Nick, third game that you are watching starts and sits that you are liking. Uh, game number three, I am actually going to sit someone after adding him off of the waiver wire. That is Daniel Jones. It's the uh, Danny, Di- Danny Dimes era in, uh, in New York now. I really like this matchup uh, to see what it is we have in this guy. The Buccaneers front seven has been playing way better than we thought that they would be. Now, uh, Devin Smith, their first round pick, a linebacker, is uh, out this week. But the unit overall has been playing very well. So what I think we're going to see is basically what his ceiling game might be. We're going to see a front seven. Are, are you, you, are you, no, I'm giggling. I'm just giggling at Jordan, nodding his head slowly. Like, yeah, this is the Tampa Bay team. That's taken me to the playoffs. Oh, motherfuckers. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so what I think that we're going to see here, I mean, Daniel Jones, he has a, a decently strong, someone compared him to like a week more dog barking. Uh, somebody compared him to like a weaker Josh Allen. And I think that that's kind of apt. His arm is not the strength. Of Josh. I mean, Josh Allen can throw a ball through a wall. So that's not necessarily saying a whole lot, but the guy can throw it. He, he has a, a, a decently strong arm and he has some wheels. I think that with the way that the front seven is going to be getting pressure. Now, the Giants offensive line is surprisingly good. They are a very good pass blocking line this year. It, kind of, uh, it makes sense given all their earlier picks. Anyway, the point is he's going to be under pressure. And I think that we're going to see him in a lot of situations where scrambling is going to be his best option, which is going to lead to basically what this guy could be for fantasy purposes if all the stars align. So I like the idea of adding Daniel Jones, waiting a week, sit him right now, but keep an eye because this could be, if, if he's able to handle that pass rush, uh, this guy could be a, a one of those rushing QB uh, options where you kind of pick up someone late and suddenly he's, he's rolling out there and getting you enough points that he may not be winning you weeks, but not being the reason that you're losing. If I were a Saquon order, owner, I would mentally prepare myself for a down week for him. Just- I agree on the, the Danny Dimes, pick him up and, you know, just to take a flyer and wait for him to really start to blossom, uh, especially if the team just like, decides to come out of their coma and rally around a new guy behind quarterback. We've seen that happen narratively a couple times before. Uh, agreed on the offensive line. It's uh, structured. Uh, might be their best unit. I mean, Saquon Barkley just carries a running back unit by himself, but it might be the best unit on the team that has more than uh, one player. Um, Kevin Zeitler has really helped solidify the line. Uh, Will Hernandez was a great prospect last year and actually a really good draft pick by them. And um, Daniel Jones is one of those, he's like more athletic than he's giving credit for. And he's, I feel like he's like Josh Allen in that he's athletic enough to run, but unlike Josh Allen, where I don't think that'll be his first instinct to tuck and go. Um, So if he's like in a little bit of trouble, then yeah, he can get the hell out of there and, move the sticks that way but um hopefully he's you know a, a like, little bit more careful with with how he's moving around that's like mitchell mitch chubisk mitch chubisk has got some wheels on him and, and can bust out of the he pocket does. when he needs to um but it's not his first look how freaking dumb be. is the yeah it should be how dumb is the zeitler trade looking right now good god cleveland it hold on it to your pro so bowl tackle when you're like on the fringe of becoming a playoff contender like don't trade away your one of your best linemen when you have a quarterback you have a running back you have now multiple weapons in the offense it's like oh man wouldn't it be great if uh baker mayfield had some time to toss the rock around 
this is what scares me about John Dorsey just being a football guy. And, and he actually ended up uh, agreeing with the analytics department early on and they, they helped him get someone that he wanted to get. And he apparently said, I think the quote was like, those fucking nerds are all right. But anyway, the Zeitler move was- <laughs> ringing endorsement. Yeah, uh, the, the, the Zeitler move was, was terrible. He's the best uh, pass blocking right guard in the league. Now, for my start- <sighs> Oh my God, there's more. <laughs> OJ Howard. No, don't know, do it. Don't yeah, do it. I know man. I talked you guys down. I told you go ahead, Jason Witten, but I'm back on it. I had to think for a while. Evan oh, Silva it. made a very convincing point where basically he had a really awful game in week one, and then they had three days to, to crank out a new game plan. They were not going to get his issues fixed. Arians has, has acknowledged that he thinks he's a very talented player, but he basically said he's playing like crap. They have a week and a half to get it right. If they cannot take a guy who could be an all pro not this year but who could his ceiling is being an all pro tight end like dual threat tight end if they can't get it right now then it's time to hit the panic button so for this week against this crappy ass defense i am still rolling with who i likely drafted in the fifth round to be my starting tight end did you see did you see that tweet that i sent out nick uh it was the there was a video that went around of these two kids with like a flip lid trash can and one of the kids would step on it and the lid would flip open and smack the other kid in the forehead and then they'd laugh and they just do it over and over and over again and they do it on repeat that is what playing oj howard is like that is what that is the equivalent to playing oj howard because you have to is just getting smacked in the head with a trash can lid over and over and over again and laughing about it and convincing yourself that it's the right thing to do yet again oj howard finishes the week as the tight end eight were better Bring it on. We should really right. be keeping track of all these bets because nah. I want to be able to rub it in your face when I'm right. And I don't want you to be able to rub it in my face we, when I'm wrong. We always, everyone on the podcast, we always end up basically winning half of our bets that we make with each other. And then at the end of the show, we're like, hey, thanks for, um, the only one we're all tracking is Jordan saying that the Buccaneers are a playoff team. <laughs> Suck it, Jordan. So, so, first of all, that that's looking like a pretty okay. Pick. <laughs> if, if Teddy Bridgewater is bad and Cam Newton doesn't play, it's looking all right. Um, At least you've got fair. one of the best quarterbacks yeah. in the division, which is saying something. <laughs> God. That's also based on stuff that's way out of my control <laughs> as far as it goes. <laughs> um, but my, my theory on OJ Howard is that he's uh, this generation's Vernon Davis and that he's just like a super athletic guy who you're like, just please just get him the goddamn football and let him do some crazy things with it. Uh, Vernon Davis, I'm looking at his stats right now. He the highest total yardage he's ever had in the season is 965. So he never had a thousand yard season as a tight end, which I mean, that's fine. Tight ends don't need to have a thousand yard seasons. Um, but he only had double digit touchdowns twice. And he has been playing this game for 15 years. And I am super worried that that might be OJ Howard's fate and that he's just a super athletic tight end that we're just, waiting for and waiting for this former first round pick to to be the man but like just by virtue of the offenses that he's in they won't let him do that i hope not i like that take this week i I like not this not if nick can have anything to do about it no but like but it's a perfect comparison because vernon davis is a great tight end and someone who everyone is like wow vernon like 
fucking he's whatever in his 15th season and just hurdled like half the Philly defense in week one to take that thing to the house. So he could still ball out at the age 500. Um, but I think that's a great comparison to someone who maybe never reached their full peak. They'd never played in just the right offense that took advantage I mean, of them. I hope that's not Howard's fate, but it seems like it so far. I, I, I look at, at Vernon Davis's prime from like 2009 to 2013, 14 as like an outrageously successful tight end. So I, I agree. don't know that I agree with the narrative, but yeah, um, the narrative's well, there. anyway, that could mean that this is OJ Howard's year to break out then. Mm, if we go by the Vernon Davis method, maybe like this is one. the week. I like that one. All right. We got to move it on. We got <laughs> to it is. We have we have more starts and sits to get to. Uh, game that I'm going to talk about, Los Angeles Rams versus Cleveland. Another good game. I think this is the Monday night game, which it's like, okay, that's a decent, a decent one to choose, uh, NFL. But I picked this game because I discovered something quite interesting whilst doing my research. Three defenses so far this season have not allowed a touchdown to a wide receiver. The Patriots, obviously, the Browns, and the Rams. The Browns have allowed the second fewest yards to a wide receiver and the Rams have allowed the fourth fewest. Now I'm not going to bench Odell, duh, but your Rams receivers, you might want to think long and hard about playing them, especially Brandon cooks, who's proven to be very boomer bust so far to start this season. And Jarvis Landry is belongs permanently on your bench because he's been awful. You should maybe even think about dropping, dropping him this season. Um, but I'm excited to see this game and I'm excited to see how these wide receivers play against argue i mean seemingly the best two secondaries in the league so far to start the season uh well best one of the best two um which i did not expect so i'm excited for this game i'm not dropping jarvis landry what are you talking about <laughs> don't make he, me do it he's done nothing i mean yeah but also this is like an entire new offense for the Browns I still feel like they're trying to figure some things out even if their offensive line is crap so uh, the the interesting thing with with Jarvis Landry is that his value might have actually just shot up because of the concussion and wrist injury uh, suffered by David Njoku as the like short area pass catcher yeah I don't know if you guys saw that hit it was bad Mm -hmm. and the way he landed that was tough to watch um I'm not a fan of Jarvis Landry, but I think that his, his value in PBR leagues uh, did increase. Of course, start at Odell. No, do we need to- no, there's, no, don't, don't think about that one. I just thought it was interesting yeah. that those two were top secondaries. Uh, Jordan, final game that you're watching, starts and sits. Uh, starts and sits, uh, Houston Texans versus the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, this is going to be a start, and I'm starting my boy Carlos Hyde. Uh, I, I am fully back in supporting Carlos Hyde. I was pretty high on him early last year just because I thought he was a, a good running back, and I stupidly did not foresee the Nick Chubb happening. Um, I, I think he he's running great. Again, this is one of those guys who I, I saw um, run. I've been watching a lot of Texans games because I support – Clark Barnes, but also because I have a lot of uh, DeAndre Hopkins stock, and uh, he's literally running like a guy who got let go by three different teams in the past year, which he he actually is. Um, he, I think he's four running teams. like a man. Four teams: <laughs> Cleveland, Jacksonville, Kansas City. Is he on another one? 
I just think the number is five. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm so sour on this one. (laughs) How do you Uh, sour? Carlos Hyde is the fifth running back in the NFL in rushing yards right now to start the season. That's insane. He's running really well. It it could be fool's gold because you could just fall off a cliff in a couple weeks and you might just be like on that Adrian Peterson shit where he's just like running really angry (laughs) because he got, you know, (laughs) tossed aside. Um, But he ran 10 times for... 83 yards last week and he's averaging 5.8 yards per carry um this uh texans offensive line still has a lot of problems laramie tunsil did not solve all five positions on the offensive line but i think it does help him out having a running threat like deshaun jackson as a backfield mate and that could help keep things a little bit open for um carlos hyde and you know, once he once he starts to slow down, I think that's when you can comfortably be like, "Nah, man, I'm not, I'm not going to play him anymore." But run the hot hand, why not? Nick, quickly, quickly bring your negativity to the podcast because I'm about to go on a big old pro hide rant. So first off, I, although I think that if Deshaun Jackson was actually sharing the backfield with Carlos Hyde, that would be something to watch. I believe Duke Johnson was yes. Oh no, <laughs> Duke I, Johnson. I meant Deshaun Watson. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just having a tough time. I, I, I thought that Duke Johnson was freed, and and he is not, um, and it's a real big bummer. I don't share the same uh, analysis of the the hashtag grind the film on on Carlos Hyde. Uh, I think that Carlos Hyde has looked shifty from time to time, but his straight line speed is just appallingly slow and he is being chased in to what I have seen. He is being chased down by defenders. I think that uh, going against the chargers lightning fast defense might prove difficult for him unless he's able to just consistently lower, lower his shoulder. But I'm also just trying to console myself for owning Duke Johnson in every single goddamn team um, and not getting the dynamic running back two production that I thought I was getting out of it. Yeah. That I appreciate. That I can understand, Nicholas. Being annoyed at Carlos Hyde for yet again stunting Duke Johnson's full ascension into fantasy domination. I, I, I appreciate that. However, I have to agree with Jordan here because I have long loved Carlos Hyde. I thought he was going to be great in Cleveland and then Nick Chubb came out of nowhere. Um, but he also faces the Chargers have given up the third most rushing yards to running backs to start the season. So it's not like he's facing a super stingy defense. I think that he has all of the potential in the world to be a, a strong RB1 this week. Um, high-end high end RB2, low-end RB1. That's what I'm saying this week. Just because of the matchup, because of how run well he's been running. And I understand, yes, he has... He, he hits the hole, he gets five yards and then gets exhausted. So he's not going to be breaking away like, you know, 40 yard runs, which is fine though. He still has managed to be the fifth best running back in the NFL to start this season from a yardage standpoint. And that's got to mean something. So I'm, I'm, I'm with Jordan. You play the hot hand until the hot hand fails you. Maybe at some point, the season is long, Nick. Maybe at some point, Carlos Hyde will get just, they'll just be like, you know what, Carlos, you're too old. Duke Johnson's our future here. We're going to give all of our touches to Nick, to Duke. And then you'll look back on to this me. Carlos to Nick. Yep. And you'll look back on this Carlos <laughs> side time. And you're like, man, 
maybe I let my personal opinions get in the way. Carlos Hyde was a great choice as a start in week three. Carlos Hyde <laughs> finishes outside of the top 15 of running back in half point PPR mm-hmm. in week three. A bold statement. A bold statement. I, sh- I screwed bold up man. the, uh, the stats here. Um, Carlos Hyde ran 10 times for 83 yards in week one. Uh, last week against Jacksonville, he ran 20 times for 90 yards. And if we're there we go. doing the same. Um, That's the thing the, we like. <laughs> however, I, I'm still trying to follow the the positivity of positive regression because he hasn't run it into the end zone yet. So this could be a week that he gets a little bit of a boost. There it is. Nick, your final game you're watching, stats and sits. All right. So final game, uh, we have the Panthers at Cardinals. Um, this this game is this is going to be awesome. Uh, both of these teams. So a stat from uh, one Michael Sando of the NFL, who I once sent an angry email to when I was in college after a few drinks. Um, the Arizona Cardinals account for 88 of 126 snaps of 10 personnel, four wide receivers in the NFL this season. The Rams are next with 12. The Panthers face the AZ, uh, face, uh, face both Arizona and LA in the first three games of the season. Um, the point of, of uh, declaring that is this, both these teams run very fast. And even though Kyle Allen is likely starting at quarterback, uh, I don't think they're really going to slow down the pace. Uh, Panthers have been getting destroyed in the slot. So what are we going to do? We're going to start both of our slot receivers for that Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cooper Cup went uh, five for nine for 120 yards. Chris, Chris Godwin went eight for nine, 121 yards and a touchdown. Um, both Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald went over 100 yards last week against the Ravens. I think that both of them have a shot to do that again this week. So my uh, dual start for uh, Panthers and Cardinals is Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Nice. I like that call. I, I like that because uh, especially – God, I'm taking a lot of strolls down Narrative Street this week. But <laughs> if uh, if Cam Newton really isn't going, then this – the whole team just might be a little bit like shit. You know, this they might be like, well, that's uh that's, that's it. And I feel like Arizona, they've they've been close. They've been they've been a little frisky. They've been flirting with some W's, but uh this might be if they get a downtrodden Carolina Panthers team, this could be the the, the I also to continue down narrative street with Jordan. I also think after all of the shit that Cliff Kingsbury has gotten to start the season about how like tentative he's been and how he had like basically three fourth and ones and in the red zone and kicked field goals and how everyone was like, come on, Cliff, you got to go for it. I could see Cliff just being like, all right, fine. Fuck it. We're going to go for fourth down every single time and just try to go hog wild. Um, Maybe it's not this game, but I feel like there's a breaking point coming soon with Cliff where Cliff's just going to be like, all right, you guys asked for it. Here it is. Air raid in its fullest. Um, And Kyler Murray is going to have his feet wet by that point and be able to just run wild. I love, I love the, the Christian Kirk, Larry Fitz call. I would, if you have those guys start them confidently. Final game of the week that we're going to talk about. Uh, I've been saving my hottest take for the last, and I really should have mentioned that I had a really hot take at the start of the podcast. Had I known this would be the last thing we talked about so that people had to listen to all the way through, but you know, uh, you live and you learn. We're going to talk new Orleans versus Seattle. And I want to read you guys a direct quote from Sean Payton uh, uh, about this game. Obviously Drew Brees is not playing. So he, he says, quote, 
We'll approach this game with two quarterbacks. We'll have the right plan relative to what those guys are going to be doing. Guys. Guys. I'm going to say it. It's Taysom Hill season, baby. Go grab him off waivers. Buy him in DFS. Do what you need to do. Get him. Because in my gut, my gut is telling me Sean Payton is going to let his creative juices flow with Breeze out. And we could be in for the first two quarterback team the NFL has ever seen. I We already saw Taysom Hill in a in a big ass role with Drew Brees on the field. What is he going to be with freaking Teddy Bridgewater on our center? I am excited. I am trusting Sean Payton here wholeheartedly. Sean's being a little coy minx. Uh, and I think Taysom Hill is going to just suddenly do something. I don't know what, but he's going to do something. So he did uh, line up uh, out wide. I think once, once uh, Bridgewater was, once Bridgewater took over, I think he was still lining up out wide, and he had a, a, a receiving touchdown in week one. I mean, he's used as, like, what uh, Pete Carroll wanted B.J. Daniels to be, just this jackknife player that can line up all over the field. I don't really know what to think of him. I don't see any reason not to add him. Uh, I would view it very boldly to start him this week. I, I think that uh, if, he would, if he were to ever gain uh, wide receiver eligibility – then he becomes very interesting because he's going to take snaps at wide receiver and he's going to take snaps at quarterback. And maybe that's something that, that sites will do. ESPN oftentimes switches very, very quickly when, when something like that happens. But if he's just getting like, you know, if you're, if you're starting as a quarterback and he just catches like a nine yard touchdown pass, we haven't really gotten our value back. But again, I, I totally get being jazzed about, uh, just adding him to see what the hell happened. Because something's going to happen, and I have no idea. Like, it, it could be the most epic failure of all time, or it could be just Sean Payton has been, like, waiting for this opportunity to to showcase exactly this, like, beautiful offense that he has in his head with Taysom Hill at the helm, and we might be finally seeing it. I think that it would be the dumbest thing in the world for them <laughs> to just... I talked about... Um, uh, earlier this week, I thought it was incredibly, you can call it bold, I call it really moronic, <laughs> to keep trotting Kaysom Hill out there on offense with Teddy Bridgewater still there, like sending this guy across the middle. I'm surprised. Actually, I wasn't watching that closely. It might have happened. He might have been still a, a freaking gunner on special teams, just running down the field trying to knock people out. But I think. I was just looking at their transaction wire. They haven't brought up anybody else to be a backup quarterback. They haven't done anything like that with Teddy Bridgewater's history of injuries. I think it would be really risky to have two quarterbacks out there at the same time, especially after Drew Brees' injury was pretty fluky. Like he literally high-fived Aaron Donald too hard and like toward ligaments in his hand it's just at the most important position in football you got to have a little bit of insurance there so i just like i don't know it, i don't understand the Taysom hill thing like it is like a whole thing and we talk about it every time he does anything on the football field the announcer say something but jordan yeah jordan would your stance change if i told you the saints side jt barrett to their practice squad today 
No, because it's not on the active <laughs> roster. <laughs> it makes no difference. Uh, I'm so used to Nick poo-pooing my great ideas. This is such new territory for me, for Jordan, rejecting one it's, of my crazier notions. It's I not think that the value is backwards. The fact, the fact that Nick is buying this and Jordan isn't is, is so strange to me. And I love it. <laughs> We're going to do this. Steer into it. It's... It's not so much your uh, your take on it. I just think you would be bad for the Saints, mostly, no. if that's the route they decide to go. I think it's it's way too risky. No. I'm, we'll see. Sean, show me something crazy, baby. I'm waiting for it. Uh, awesome. Well, there you go. Week three starts and sits in the bag. Uh, quickly, before we go, guys, Thursday Night Football is the Titans at the Jaguars. We like to pick these games. I don't know why. It's just fun. It gives us content to tweet out, which no one responds to. So, you know, engagement is great. All-time high. Uh, Jordan, do you have a pick, or do you just want to say, uh, pass, because this game is probably going to be garbage? Um, I got the Mystics over the Las Vegas Aces. Game two of the semifinals. Won a close one last night, so that's the game I'm going to be watching instead. Good. Good choice. Much better choice. Uh, Nick, what game are you watching instead of Thursday Night Football? I like this much better. <laughs> I'm going to be watching the Titans uh, play-action route the Jaguars to victory as my two uh, big-name running backs, Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette, trample my <laughs> opponents for me. Am, am I making this up, or do the Titans just always like do something weird and notable on like a Thursday Night Football game? They're Against like- the Jaguars. It's always well, against the Jaguars, it feels like. Henry went like 17 carries for 237 yards last year on Thursday right. night in week yeah. 14. Yeah. He stiff-armed the living shit out of Tajay Gibson or something like that. That's, yeah, Tashawn, I think. But yeah, let's, yeah. let's go with, with that. Tajay. I think I'm combining Tajay Sharp and Tashawn Gibson. Tasha Sharp. Ah, oh, throwback. Felt like what? such a baller walking what? out of the draft with him in like 2017. <laughs> it's like, fuck all you guys. I got this Titans receiver. <laughs> I threw the ball 17 times all year. Oh, my <laughs> God. I don't think he even started. God damn. Uh, and then I did the same thing with Taewon. We all did. George, you fell for Taewon, too. God damn. It. hard for Taewon Taylor. <laughs> now, did you see him out there over the weekend? Uh, he's, he's in Cleveland now. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, dra- so. I drafted him. I drafted him in one of my other leagues. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Fucking Taylor. You want Taylor, Taylor, man? You can't... so talented. <laughs> him and Rico Gathers. Let's get Tajay Sharp, Taylor Taylor, and Rico Gathers all on an offense. Watch them take him. Get him all with Cliff Kingsbury. Rashard Higgins didn't play the other night, and Damian Ratley got those snaps instead. God which damn is it all. Disappointing. Uh, uh, all right. Well, I'm not going to watch a game, but I'm going to watch Fleabag instead because <laughs> Bex and I are in the midst of the second season and it's great. Love that show. It's on my list. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Uh, awesome. Okay. I'm going to watch football because we're supposed to do that. <laughs> <you guys. laughs> this is why you listen to the Army One Fantasy Football Podcast because a third of us actually watches football. Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Fake Team's podcast channel, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whole nine yards. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at DM Rogers. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Follow Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Enjoy your week three. Best of luck to everyone. Until then, peace.